0: Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gas Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is your club, and you're listening to the
1: big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jorgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed plus lots of bonus content including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly q a so do please go to patreon.com forward slash graham hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so maybe even strangers in the street love you Welcome back, I hope, to part two of the Big Interview with Vincent Vinny Samways. I love it when Big Interview guests cross-pollinate, feed into each other. And in this episode, you'll hear Vinny talking about the influence of our former guest, World Cup winner Osvaldo Ardiles. Ozzie, beyond being an utterly superb footballer, was a visionary Spurs coach and Vinny loved playing for him. Osvaldo also gave our hero the chance to share a pitch with Diego Armando Maradona. Wait till you hear Vinny talking about that experience. There'll be more tales of Las Palmas, Zidane, Xavi Iniesta, Gabri Puyol, plus a remarkable victory for Vinny's Sevilla at the Camp Nou against Van Hal's Barcelona. Vinny Samways, a gem of a man, a lovely footballer, finally spending time with you and The Big Interview. When we talk about Pep and and Xavi and Ray Wilkins, you can't really up the ante very easily, but if I just say to you, Diego Armando Maradona, um... You've shared a pitch with him, and um, I want you to tell us about it.
0: That was amazing. Um, obviously, my idol growing up, was someone who took me under his wing was Ozzy Alderis, um, who not only was an amazing player but an amazing person. I actually, I, I spoke to him uh, two days ago. A friend, a friend of mine was in Marbella, um early one morning, he, and he called me. Mm-hmm. He said. Vin, he said, uh, you won't believe it. I said, what's that? He said, Ozzy Ardiles is sitting in front of me having some breakfast. So I said to him, serious? He went, yeah. I said, go over to him, apologize for it, but asked him, say, I want to talk to him. So he's got up. He said, Mr. Ardiles, he said, uh, sorry to disturb you. I've got Vinny Samways here. He said, Vinny, I said, hi, Ozzy, how are you? He went, you still in Spain? I said, yeah. I said, oh, I can't believe it. He said, I'm leaving tomorrow. Um he said, if I'd have known, I'd have got in contact with you. I spoke to him for five minutes. He, he's different class. And Ozzy had his testimonial um against Inter Milan. And at the time, Keith Birkinshaw and Peter Strees were gradually giving me a couple of days coming from the reserve team to train with the mm-hmm. first team. Uh, so Aussie had said to to Peter and and um Keith Birkinshaw, I'd like Vinny to be in the I don't know if it was 18 oh, men right. 20 in the squad. And we'll bring him on during the game, which for me, I've just turned 17. It was like, there was rumours going around that Maradona was going to come as a guest appearance for him. And I'm thinking, yeah, he might come, even if he come just to say hello and walk out on the pitch. This is amazing. So we're sitting in the dressing room, getting changed. I'm nervous as anything because it's like 40,000 fans. Like it's packed. The stadium's packed. And all of a sudden, Ozzy walks in with Maradona. It was like, majority hit the floor. I was like, nah, this is not real. The guy starts getting changed. I'm thinking, what the hell's happening here? And it was like, I've never seen anything like it. The guy was just like, he was so friendly. It was like, it was amazing. And then, obviously, they started the game. Maradona started. And I'm thinking... I just want to get on and say I've been on the pitch with him and about 30 minutes from the end, they put me on. Um, and every time I got the ball, I was just trying to pass it to him. I just wanted to give it to him. It was like, it was just, it was just the most amazing experience uh, that I've ever had to say that I shared a pitch with possibly the greatest player, or if not in the top two or three best players of all time. Um, for me, was just an experience that I'll never forget.
1: Ozzy had a vision, you know. I mean, you and I talked. I don't know if we need to now because Ozzy's been a guest in this series, and we talked about, you know, you, you and he. I, I like to think I haven't asked him, but I like to think he saw you, him, and you, because you know all the things that, that that dogged your skill, took the took away from your skill. Like, for example, um, I read Joe Royals' book and. When he takes over from Walker at Everton, there's a chapter where he, he says, it's the chapter's called Dogs of War, and he, and he explains how he gave his midfield that nickname, and he, he, really early in the Dogs of War chapter, Joe Royal says, you know, people always accuse me of, of not using Vinnie Samways properly, and Everton, the School of Science, the passing midfielders... But he was like, I really adored Vinny Samway's football. I really thought I'd leave him in football. But he admits right away, he said, I, I didn't want to play him as a central midfielder. I saw him as a left midfielder, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't care whether he's making his excuses or whatever, but he didn't see you as being physically able to hold down central midfield in that Everton side, in that era in England. But people said the same things about Aussie And, and Aussie. to be fair... You know, looked like a stick man when he came to Britain, and when he won the World Cup in '78, he he looked like a boy. Now he's told us the most extraordinary story about not being able to walk the day before the World Cup final. I mean, carried piggyback onto the training ground, given an injection, training for five minutes. Minotti says you're playing the next day, and he's going out the next night in a a, a country where you know the the generals disappear people, and he's carrying the weight of the nation on his shoulders the day before he can't walk, and he but when he came to Britain people were too spindly the pitches the tackles and he just he just stuck two fingers up at the world and he was he was a beautiful footballer one of the most brilliant and I still think most underestimated footballers Britain's ever seen but he must have seen things like that in you because I'm not I want to say you had World Cup winning talent but you were very talented you loved the ball you used it sensibly but people always said that you had the same a similar physique to him similar that either the people who believe something different or the ones who are idiotic and think that smaller guys can't know and Chavi later on and Messi and, you know, Silva and WV and whatever. But he must have seen, uh, you know, Aussie must have seen Aussie and Vinny.
0: Do you know what I mean? Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing, Gray, that he's, he was 10 years, when he became a manager, he was 10 years ahead of anybody because. If he was a manager now and the way he wanted to play, it was the way Arsene Wenger, when he came to Arsenal and changed him dramatically. But we, we used to play and he would not let, he would tell Eric Torstead, do not kick the ball long, play out from the back. For us at the beginning, for me, I loved it. I mean, but it was like, wow, what's all this about? Because when we used to play, the first thing would be, First 10, 15, 20 minutes, kick the ball long, and we'll play in there half. Ozzy went, no, 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 no. Play out from the back, from the beginning. And he played me as a, like a Piabotti, a number six, so like a, where Bouquets plays. Or, and he said, Vin, everything comes through you, everything. Get it off the back four and start to dictate the play. It was like I'd died and gone to heaven. It was like, wow, this for me is, is total football. Um yeah, we struggled at times. Don't get me wrong, we had some bad defeats, but it was like if you score three, we'll score four. Um, so yeah, we we we, we got exposed a lot of the time, but his way of thinking was just so far ahead of of the times when the Premier League or um was obviously just pure force and strength. Um so but he stuck to his principles and he would never change. And this is what I, I respect about the man. It was like it was a it was just fantastic to play for him, not just the way he played, but the way he spoke to people. He would tell you, he would sit down with you, talk to you about it, show you things, and you think this is coming from a a, a World Cup winner. For me, when I think in England, we use the word world class as for players very loosely. Um, we can have some excellent players and we say they're world-class. I find it very difficult because when you talk about world-class, you've got to be very careful what you're saying because, but for me, he was world-class because he's coming to a game that is so alien to what he's used to, him and Ricky Villier, and adapted like, like duck to water. It was like amazing, absolutely amazing.
1: I know that you're pointing out that we've missed a coach because, I mean, when Guardiola came to England having won copious trophies at Barcelona and, and by minute, he was still, people still, 20 years later were saying, nah, that can't work here. But if we use a time machine, it wouldn't be easy to use Aussie to the modern day coaching. What, what if we moved Aussie, you two, but... He played in worse pitches, he played under worse refereeing conditions where the rules didn't protect ball players. and he was so brave about taking the ball, hurdling the tackles. What if, genuinely Vin- Vinny, where would he fit, how would he play, what would he be regarded like? If you took prime Osvaldo Ardiles and dropped him in, I don't care if it's La Liga or the Premier League today as a you know, 23, 24 year old describe what he'd be doing, what he'd be worth, where he'd be playing, what people would think of him
0: you look at the way the transfer market is today. If Aussie dealers was playing today, mm-hmm. in my opinion, he would get in any team in the Premier League. I'm talking about a City, a United, a Chelsea, a Liverpool. He would get in any of those teams. Eyes closed. Value, you've got to be looking at 100 million. Because, don't get me wrong, the only two Centre midfield players who I've had the privilege to watch a lot and play against, who I believe are better than him, was Chavin and Yester. They're the only two I would say are better than than him. Different players then you can talk about as Zidane. I'm talking about positional players, i.e. a number six, or whatever you want to call them, a number eight, where Zidane was more an eight stroke ten. Um, but on Aussie as a six or an eight, the only two people I'd put in front of him would have been Xavi Yester. If you said to me, you've got, you got three players here and you could pick two of them, I wouldn't be bothered who you gave me because I'd be over the moon with two of, two of them. Three would be like uh, I'd be rubbing my hands together.
1: You know, you're speaking my language in that case. And I love what you said. And I want people to understand that because... You you and I have had the privilege of knowing him. You and I have had the privilege of watching him. I'm several years old, and you, I don't know how well you remember 78 World Cup, but I've already told Aussie that, you know, in, in the bike shed at school playing on a tennis ball, you know, instead of shouting the name of, of a striker when we scored, we should shout our dealers, because we were all... We, well, me and the ones that viewed football the same, we thought he was magical. But by naming Chabby and Inesta for the last section of the interview, you've brought us back to Spain, because we we could... Go on and on about a Spurs upbringing. I was desperate to hear about Bethnal Green, but I think that's going to pass by the way because we have to give you your day back because you've been bombarded by phone calls. When you were in Spain, you won promotion. What was that like? And then it takes you into an era whereby life wasn't easy for Las Palmas up top, but you finished mid table. and, And the one that stands out to me is you pump Real Madrid. You pump. Vincente Del Bosque's title winning team, 4 um, 2 on the island. And, and, you know, I've heard you say that the promotion, the open top boss, that was the magical feeling. And a game is only 90 minutes, and it's only three points. But when you take, or when you literally, I'm going to use the word again, pump aside with Ike Casillas, Mitchell Salgado, Fernando Vieiro, I mean, come on. Ivan Campo, another Islander. Karanka, who's a guest on the Liga television at the moment. Zinedine Zidane. Jeremy, OK. Jeremy didn't stand out as one of the outland greats. Solari, very under Brilliant player. Macaulay, well, they've named a the position after him. Some kid called Raul. Manitas, who got, who got, who got sent off. And then the subs are team and Morientes. And I'll just remember, remind you and the people of the score again. 4-2. Four, two. Four, 2 Come on. Brink Memories of the promotion, because in that promotion season, you beat the hated rivals, Tenerife, twice, 2-1 and 2-0, which is almost good enough for some diehard Las Palmas fans in the first place. So the promotion feeling and the celebrations and then going
0: into pumping Real Madrid on the island. Well, the promotion season was obviously very special, but I've never seen... Um, celebrations like it on an island because obviously um, if I'm correct, I believe we beat Elche on that day and I can't remember, I think it was 4-1 or something like this and they're they're saying um, because we knew before the game if we won we were at least finishing second Um, and then the following week we was away to Villarreal who at the time were fighting with us to get promoted. So, um, and they said, if, if we win, it's going to be an open top bus. blah, blah, blah. Thinking, okay, win the game. Fans come on the pitch uh, and everything. An hour later, two hours later, we're still in the stadium, but they've organized this open top bus. We went around virtually the old of Las Palmas. The streets, God knows how many thousands of people like, were lined in the streets. This is like now early hours of the morning. Um, and it just went on for like two or three days. Bearing in mind the next weekend, <laughs> we're playing away to Villarreal in, in a game that if we at least get a point, we win the league. So Sergio Cresic, who's the manager at the time, he was saying, guys, look, listen. Yeah, fantastic. Well done. It was amazing. But we've got a job to do. We want to go up as champions. Um, and Villarreal needed a point to To be given to get promotion, so we've both gone into the game. Obviously, now it's a game of keep ball. You have it, we'll have it. No <laughs> shots, please. No shots. You're happy with a point. We're happy with a point. It was, it was just like one of those. It is. It was an experience. It was like. But I mean, the promotional celebrations were just phenomenal. And they, it's a, it's a, it's not as uh, an island as party island as Tenerife because that's more for youngsters. Las Palmas is more, and I'm talking about the south of the. is more of a family place, but it seemed like the old island was just was just like rocking. It was just amazing, absolute amazing. Then obviously the the game against Real Madrid, and uh, I'll never forget the manager Fernando Vasquez, said to us before the game, "Look, guys, just go out and enjoy. i have got nothing to lose." Blah blah blah. I'm thinking, what are you on about? We could get tongued here. This could be like a cricket score. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking and he said to me, right, Vinny, you're gonna be playing like in a deeper holding role. Obviously, you're gonna be next to Zidane. Obviously, keep an eye on. I'm thinking, thanks a lot. We we always felt confident of um competing against anybody. But I mean to actually believe you'd win four two is a little bit and young Ruben Castro come on um and scored two amazing two amazing goals. Um and Zidane got taken off after 70 minutes. I've never wanted someone to go off as much in my life. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, I oh, thank God for that. Because that guy, he has some ability. He has some serious ability.
1: Yeah, and he's he's replaced by Salades. He'd been brought up at Barcelona and subsequently wins the, uh, the job as under 21 speed manager. But Albert Salades. And you say young Ruben, I mean, not everybody will know Ruben Castro, but if he was young Ruben Castro, he's still playing now, he's 40, he's scored nearly 300 career goals. He's a
0: phenomenon. Three seasons ago when um, he went back to Las Palmas and one of the journalists called me and he said, Vin, what do you think of Ruben uh, signing? Do you not think it's a bit of a risk? I said, for what reason? Because he's 36 years old, 37. Is that what you're saying? Well, obviously, I said, let me tell you one thing. He's a goal machine. He's getting you double figures with his eyes closed this year. First year, he ended up getting 15, 16 goals and not playing all the games. Um, So the guy knows where the back of the net is. Um, So, yeah, he's saying it was an amazing game for him to come on and score two goals was just phenomenal.
1: For the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustolium's new Custom Spray Five and One gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray Five in One, only from Rustolium. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. I don't think you're a man with much of an ego so maybe I'm pushing it a little bit here because there's so many games you, you you play in the Primera that are interesting you get draws and wins in big clubs but you've got the camp now with Louis van Gaal as the coach and you're playing with Seville and again this is a pumping an outright pumping because Barcelona don't even score and, and this is a <clears throat> excuse me a Barcelona side which is full of talent because you know they've got <clears throat> Frank de Boer and Puyol and Xavi and Riquelme. I mean, Riquelme somebody we haven't got time to talk about, but you must have adored what he did with the ball. So in, in your two most massive results in Spain, <laughs> you've, you've shown uh, Riquelme and Zidane their pants, which is not a bad thing. Mota, Cliver, Overmars, Mendieta, and Gabri, Gabri all those years later... Um, comes on Saviola it's Louis Van Gaal and you guys win 3-0 you, you come on you play a lovely little ball deep very deep to set off the, the run down the I mean you saying Bolt down the right hand side I think for Todley um, for the third goal so I'm counting that as a pre-assist that's what the modern term is Vinny you, you, you gave a pre-assist even though you were just outside your own penalty box <laughs> You you're, you're taking it, though, aren't you? It's like a gimme from eight feet on on the on the green, isn't it? Um, but and and it's the most extraordinary game because I don't know if you knew because you guys were celebrating so big and I, I know your time was show short. But like the president of then of Barcelona, Gaspar, I don't know how many times you've been in a stadium where they do the full old-fashioned white Anki panolada. So I don't know. I'm I'm setting that up because I know it's you know twenty odd years ago, but. You know, your feelings, your memories about that night.
0: If if you go on results, that would have to be up there with with any, because you go and win nine times out of ten. If you go and win at the Camp Nou or the Bernabeu, nine times out of ten, you've won because they've missed at fulls of chances and just had an off day. This day, we thoroughly deserve to win. It was like we matched them. And Caparrós, Ross, who was Seville's manager at the time, he knew how to set teams up. Um, we were probably more British the way we played in Seville than than most because he, he's he's everybody was like first and foremost you work your socks off you stay solid um, so he was he had the mentality of like uh, setting his stall out to to not get beat but to obviously cause problems and we had we had some serious pace up front. Um, with a, with a team that, that he he had at the time, and that was amazing result. To to be quite honest, like unbelievable. It's the only time I've been there. I've been spanked five. I've been spanked four. So to go there and win, I mean, win comfortably was like, wow. That's a proper result.
1: Did you even notice that it was full white hanky right round the stadium because it was a big big crowd, and um, things were getting. And Van Hal really only had another. I think, Three or four matches before he was sacked. Did you notice that the camp now went mad with the white hankies or were you too busy celebrating?
0: No, I think you have to notice because I'm not being funny. You got hundred odd thousand people, and probably ninety six of six thousand Barça supporters, maybe two or three thousand Seville supporters. But you, of course, you notice it, and it because obviously you've been around all the grounds. The one ground Barça for me is. Super pretty stadium, but the atmosphere ain't sort of because it's like a bowl, it sort of goes out. Where I think the the Bernabar, because it's more like upright, you hear more in like inside. So when there's all the booing, or I think you hear more in the Bernabar than you do the Camp Nou, you know what I'm saying? Um, but you're going to hear 90 odd thousand people booing and waving their flags, of course you are, and so yeah. It was it was strange, that's for sure. we get two to finish, uh, Vincent.
1: Um, I'm going to give you another gimme, if you don't mind. Um, one of the footballers who's most excited me, and, and, and I, maybe I'm a little bit over-loquacious, over-romantic. I, 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 I'm almost, like, for about 10, 11 months now, because it took me a month to catch up, I'm almost in tears of rapture when I watch Pedri play. And what I didn't know is that you were one of his lifetime influences. So there's a little gimme there I'm giving you, but the listener doesn't know what I'm getting at. But you, you, have to tell you have to tell your Pedri story, but also as somebody who played that way, just give us your feelings about what you
0: see when you see Pedri playing, and, and what he's got ahead of him in this what hopefully is another 15 years of career. Three years ago, I was on the island in Las Palmas and Tonono, who is uh, the guy in charge of all the youth development, he said to me, um, he said, Vin, would you come? They've got the uh, house, Casa Amorero, where the young kids, uh, they study, train and sleep there. So said, would you come there and just give a, a talk to the youngsters? I said, for sure, mate. No problem. So I go there um, and had a fantastic day with, with them. Uh, really enjoyed it. And then about two weeks ago, Tonono sends me a photo and I said, oh, thanks mate. Uh, and I'm looking at it thinking my well, yeah, hair's gone even grayer than it was right <laughs> like before. So when my son came in, I said, uh, Jay, like Tonano sent me that. Who's that? He went, are you serious? I said, you don't know. I said, no. He said, it's Pedri. I said, you're joking. He said, yeah, he was at the, he was at the house when you was giving the talk. Um, I said, oh, my God. So I just texted on. and I said, um, "Like he's a crack. You found a diamond there, blah, blah, blah. And I can honestly say he surprised me. Everybody knew what talent he had. But to to go to Barca in his first season and play, what, 80% of the games? And then what he's achieved in the Euros this year, I, I don't know what, what, the roof is for him, Gray. I think the guy, hopefully, he could be a new Chevy. He could be a new, a new Iniesta. Um, and I believe Barca have seen that in him. Because, yeah, they got him cheap, but it's not been cheap at the end because of all the add-ons. It's like, I believe it's up around the 25 at the moment. Um, so, yeah, they've rolled the dice, but they've seen something in him.
1: What, what, do, you, what do you see in him, though? Because... I, I I find myself working hard to get the right adjectives that aren't just praising him up, but describing what he does. And, t- and to me, first of all, when you look at him, it's not just that he looks like the artful dodger; that he looks like a fifteen-year-old. His socks are slightly rolled down. There's bags under his eyes. He's got a 1945 haircut. Um, he's got a slouch. You know, he's half Chris Waddle size, but he's got a slouch. Do you know what I mean? But he also, his arms are out right over the ball. He, he reminds me of my childhood. He looks, he could have been playing in 1953 or 1963 in terms of posture and movement. But it's not just because we, you were born with it or you, you made a career with, with first touch and vision and all of us that have paid attention to football, we, we understand that and we use that vocabulary now. But it's more than that. He seems to, to he almost seems to, there's sometimes when he's on the ball in midfield in a busy midfield and he almost seems to be playing dreamily. It's like, just in terms of where he's going, he's just wandering. Nobody can get the ball off him, and his wonder will suddenly leave him. He gets himself into trouble, crowds of three, four and and he doesn't come away with a burst of speed or physique, but he wriggles out of it, and the ball is put into somebody. And Leo Messi last season, and he doesn't link naturally with new players often, in fact, his actual enjoyment of linking with players rather than saying, do this, do that, do this for the ball. It, there's only a handful of players, and Petri's one of them.
0: And so when you watch him, what is it about him that's, that has elevated him so quickly? You hit a point uh, on the point there of his vision. It's exactly what a yesterday to Messi. Someone told me a story about Messi. Um, and he said, if you watch Messi in any game in the first 10 minutes, he's walking. He don't sprint, he walks and he's just looking around, seeing where people are and will be because he has this vision. And all of a sudden, he starts picking it up, picking it up. So these players, when they have a connection, they know a Pedri, a Messi, a Xavi, and yes, they know even Buket's because them two, Xavi and Yester, they relied on him because when they were in a bit of trouble, they would just give it back to him knowing full well he's keeping it he ain't giving that ball away god knows the last time he gave a ball away must have been about 10 years ago you know what i'm saying so um that was probably in a training game because he never (laughs) um and so the these guys kind of people they look at it they've already done their survey they know where people are and so when they get the ball even if they got two or three people around them they 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 feel comfortable they know they can control it and I'll never forget a saying that um, Steve Perriman, the old captain for Tottenham, he was given a team talk one day. And when people talk about brave players at that time, it was talking about people who fly into tackles like a Graham Roberts and that. And he turned around and said, guys, let me tell you one thing. He said, the bravest player in this dressing room is him. And he pointed at Glen Oddle. So everybody sort of, because when Steve Perriman spoke, you listened. And he went, because that guy will take the ball anywhere on the pitch, regardless of how many people were around him. That's someone who's brave. And I thought to myself, wow. And that's when I started thinking, when I used to play and watch Shavin yesterday, they will take it in any position that that you've got. They will, if you're under pressure, they'll say, give me it. They might have two or three, and they're that good. They'll get themselves out of it. And I see Pedri, this kind of this kind of talent. That he he's not going to be running up and down the wing, and it, but he'll walk around, and all of a sudden, boom, he's going to open the game. He he's, he hits a couple of passes in the Euros that you went, wow, that's like that's a guy who's got who's got his antenna, like working. He's uh, so I just believe. Barca have seen something special in it and I believe the guy could be an absolute superstar.
1: Well my gimme is that, that day of that day of tuition from the Bethnal Green Boy, it, it, when when if they when they resurrect shoot in Spain and they say like early influences, Pedri's gonna say Bini 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 El Mejor. Vincent Sandwich we're going to finish on uh, one more question from our sponsors and we're changing country but you helped me by mentioning Steve Pearman another guest on this interview series and boy that was an education that was so much fun um look just even from a distance Bet365 want us to ask you from a distance. What what would you say would represent a successful season for Spurs this season? And let's leave aside whether Harry Kane is there or not. Let's just plank that we know they've got Nuno in. The new stadium is suddenly going to have fans in it. How many? You know, let's see what the year brings us in terms of COVID and whatever. But there's going to be fans there. There are a lot of quite exciting players. They've had, they've had really nice early season results, particularly the defeat of City, even if that's just to give self-belief and calm some nerves and whatever. But for you, either analytically or simply as somebody who who spent much of his life as a
0: Spurs fan, for you, what would represent a successful season for Tottenham Hotspur? If they finish in the top six, I think that would be an achievement. And to have a good run, i.e get to a, a final of, of, a, of one of the Cups, albeit the Carabone or the FA Cup. Because I don't think they're good enough. I don't think they're strong enough to fight with, for the top four position. Um, because I do believe the top four this year, there will be a gulf between them top four. Um, I am talking about the two Manchesters, Liverpool and Chelsea. I believe once the season gets kicked in and we come January, February, there is going to be a a points difference between them four and the fifth place. Um, Yes, Tottenham should be fighting for a top four position. I don't believe this year they're they're good enough and I don't think they're stronger. And that's even with an Harry Kane or without an Harry Kane. Um, I just believe the others have kicked on and the gulf now between what Tottenham was when Pochettino was there and they Finished second twice. I don't, but I think they've gone backwards, and the others have gone, have have obviously improved. You look at a United. Me personally, if you said to me, Vin, who do you think is going to win the Premier League this year? I'm going to, I'd put my neck on the line. I'm going to say United.
1: No, I, I, I'm with you. I've been, I've had that sneaking suspicion because you can see the progression. I went to um, dance to cover the final there and, and they, they didn't convert their form and they were thwarted quite easily by Una Emery's game plan. But in adding Sancho and Varane and, and maybe adding Saul, plus what, they, what more they can expect out of some of their footballers, like I think they can expect more from McTominay, I think they can expect more from Greenwood, I think once they get Rashford, they're going to miss Rashford in October, but getting a fit Marcus Rashford is a really big deal. I, I would agree with you. I, I, st- I still think people are going to call them dark horses, but like you, they're my, they're my, they're my fit. they would be my tips for the title. I think they can do it, and the squad is deep too. I, I, I'm, and listen, I think it's healthy if English football is having to swap champions every year because even if for the moment it's a group of four, and it is a group of four, it can't be the same side every season, I don't think so. L- I wish you in return for a, a beautiful morning. Um, I really it sounds a bit soppy, but like to begin the season doing this, talking, listening to you, talking about your experiences, and just sharing time with somebody who views football as a Brit but views football the way that I do too has been so much pleasure. I know it will be for our listenership, uh, Vinny I, I know that people are gonna. Lap it up. They're going to learn. So I just want to say thank you for your generosity. And in return, I wish you that Spurs get you know first in their league. So they finish fifth, but top of the top of the rest of the league. And it may be a cup final. Who knows? With Nuno and Brian Hill, Brian Hill scoring the winner in the Carabao Cup final. There you go. A young Spaniard for Spurs. Good. There's there's our wish. Um, listen, um, when when any of the three of us sit down in Marbella, we'll come calling. Thank you very much indeed for spending time on this and viva Vinnie Mejor. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by... Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at ACAST and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us, at patreon.com forward slash Hunter. Here end of the lesson. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants, they all depend on you.